Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Show. You know, we're, we're going to game plan. You know, our core stuff is always going to be our core stuff, you know, and whether it's Bryce or Andy. Um, I'm not sure there would be much difference between the two in the game plan. Maybe, maybe a couple plays, um, but not much. Um, so you know, we'll just we'll just move forward like we normally would. Frank Reich yesterday uh, answering questions about the Bryce Young ankle injury. Uh, sat out yesterday. I guess they said projected did not practice. So that's kind of like if they had a full practice, they're projecting he wouldn't have practiced. It was a walkthrough. Sounds like he just kind of observed what was going on. Charles Davis seemed to think, Bone, the fact that uh, we had Charles Davis on from CBS. If you missed it, go back, listen to the top of the 7 o'clock hour podcast because he's calling the game and he was great. But he seemed to think he just missed a walkthrough. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. that. Let's see. Let's see what happens today and, and tomorrow. Um, you know, uh, by the way, Seattle had nine players miss yesterday, and and this is like nine factors. This is some of their best players did not practice yesterday. So right. they had nine dudes not practice yesterday. So you That's know what's going to happen. You're telling me that Charles Davis says Panthers can run the ball in Seattle. I'm already hearing points in my mind that can make me pick the Panthers yeah, on Friday. I don't want to, I don't, don't want to do it. I don't want to go into, I don't, don't let me pick the Panthers on Friday. I know Woolen, Woolen's been hurt. I don't know. He's going to, that's a DK Metcalf is injured. There's every, well, are you, been, so are you saying you're going to pick him on Friday? No, I'm just saying we're talking about the Bryce injury. When you're talking about the matchup, let's, let's also monitor how many dudes are hurt for Seattle right now. It's, it's a pretty main No, players. definitely. But that, uh, uh, follow me. I'm already moving ahead. And I guess Friday's tomorrow. I'm all thrown off because of the Monday night game. I, I'm now putting all this together and wondering if I'm panthering up tomorrow. And what I'm saying is I really I don't want to panther up. I don't want to create expectations. That's that's you know what I mean? Have a nine. But, but all these things are making I would me never, think about it. I would never, Mac, drive you to the Panther Up Depot and drop you off there. <laughs> but think about it, Mac, the Woolen, Metcalf. Uh what's the tight end's name? Walt Disney? Uh, Walt Disney's hurt. Uh, they have they have a <laughs> Will lot. Will Disley, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also injured. They got a lot of dudes. I'm just saying we'll monitor that next. There you race. go, Panther fans. Can ponder your panthering up. Uh, we'll see what happens with Bryce in practice today. But I don't think his name was Walt Disney. There is so much going on um, among Panther fans. Many Panther fans believe that uh, they are convinced that Bryce is being benched, but they're doing it in a delicate fashion. That the whole world doesn't know he's being benched. My my whole point was I have enough cynicism in me to not say 100% without certainty that, that that I can't rule that out. I I do notice though, Bone. It's weird. I think some Panther fans are like hoping that's happening. It's just it's really weird what's going on it with is. our fan base. We're splintered right now, and there's some extreme opinions. Like it almost seems like fans are celebrating. Yes. I think they're sitting Bryce out on purpose. This is great. Like, I, I just, 
I think the most important thing is our young quarterback playing and learning. And I just, I don't know, man. I think, I think we're going crazy right now. We got a problem in this fan base right now. And you know it's true. I know it's true. So does Flounder. When you work here, you see it every day. There is a portion of this fan base. And I'm not, I don't mean everybody. But whether it's through text, through tweets, when there's calls on the station, whatever interaction you have with this certain part of Panther fandom, and I use fandom in, in air quotes, that's that almost they did it before. They almost root against the team to some degree. Right? There are some people that almost they don't want Bryce Young to play. Like you're saying, like there's almost this weird faction of fans that they either want to be proven right about something or whatever. There's there's fans that almost they claim to be fans, but when they talk to you, you don't sense that they they want the team to just win games. I, I do or be good. I mean, uh, do they just want to be right? Like they were down on Bryce originally? I don't know. Some do. Oh, there I, are there are some that are just like that. But there are also people that believe if we put Andy Dalton in, we have a better chance to win. And and like Charles said, maybe that's true in the short term. Although I still think you know he's going to have receivers that are that are not separating. I still think he's going to have an offensive line that, in fairness to them, they're having to protect longer because receivers aren't separating and Bryce has to hold on to it. But all those things are still going to occur. Are they going to have a deep threat? You know, for for Dalton, like so, I I, I think it's relative. But I think there are some fans that just want to win. And think like we're better off with Andy Dalton playing and we're going to win. I just my whole thing is here. Here's where I'm coming at with this one, Bo. I have watched plenty of journeymen and I don't even know if it's fair to call Andy a journeyman. I mean, he had a heck of a career with Cincy and now it's kind of gotten to the journeyman part of his career. Right. Some would say Hall um, of Fame type. Miles <laughs> <laughs> Sanders, definitely. But uh, I I've watched enough veterans that probably shouldn't be starters, start football games for us over the last three or four years. I, I, I it, it was time to go pick our quarterback. We've made our choice. Can I guarantee you with 100% certainty we picked the right guy and he's going to be great? No. Do I believe he's going to be great? Yes. But I just want to watch our draft pick quarterback play. I want to watch him develop. If it looks ugly, it looks ugly. Um, there's a lot of people too bone that, that think if he sits another guy, Lee texted in and said, he needs to sit back and watch and learn that way. Charles Davis disagreed on Bryce. I disagree on that. Um, I did Peyton Manning need to sit when he was throwing 28 interceptions. Did Andrew Luck need to sit? Did Joe Burrow need to sit? A lot of examples. Did, it, did Trevor Lawrence need to sit? Did the, did Eli Manning need to sit? All these guys you pointed out. Matthew early, Stafford. All, well, all, Eli, all these, to be fair, Eli did sit originally. Kurt Warner was the starter to begin the year, but that's the thing. He was the starter to begin yeah. the season. You made your decision. Yeah. You got to live with it. You, you can't go back now. You, you can't, can't. You can't. You at least got to stick with it. You, you got to stick longer than two all, games. All the work that goes into selecting that quarterback, all the people and minds involved, after two games, they'd go, well, you know what? Uh, he, he's just not ready. We're going to sit. They don't want to create a controversy already two games into a season with the number one overall draft choice. That would be an asinine choice. That's why I don't. I think that. There's a legit injury there. We'll see what happens. I don't think they're turning to Andy Dalton, regardless of the first two games, three weeks into the season. I just can't see that happening whatsoever. I, I just, I just can't. I hope because then what happens? Because what do you do? You, you let Bryce sit. Then when, 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 when's he go back? When is he ready to go back in again? He's gonna play at some point. So what? Do you, it's three. We're two games in. So Dalton goes in for this game. The. Uh, does Bryce go? Then, then that creates a whole other problem there. Moving guys in and out—that's just not not happening. I, the, the, I I hope it's not true. 
Because I hope this this coaching staff has enough conviction to stick with what they've done. It's the same thing with with uh, Frank Reich play calling. Like I'm not saying that it's been perfect, obviously, but like I just think if he were all of a sudden switch his play calling plan and two games in, it shows it shows so little conviction. I want my coach to have conviction. I want him. I want the coaching staff to believe in what they the plan. And yeah, is the plan going? Is it going the way you thought? Is it rougher than you thought? Yes. I also think Bryce can handle it. I don't know if it's the little, like the the size of him and the fact that he kind of looks like a kid. I don't know if that's what it is. I don't know if people generally think athletes have fragile psyches, but like a lot of people seem to think like he can't handle this. This is going to destroy him mentally. Um, you guys even, or I think it was Flounder that brought up like you're going to mess him up mentally if you bench him. I don't believe that you're going to mess Bryce up mentally regardless of what happens. I don't believe he is built like that. I don't think he is a feeble of feeble mind. It sends a, I, it sends I, a I bad message, though, I, to the rest of the but team. Listen to what I'm saying, though. I'm just talking simply about his mental, his head. I don't believe Bone. And by the way, the rest of the team, under this, this uh, conspiracy theory, are they trying to fool the whole team, too? They're trying to make the whole team right. thing. Does Bryce have crutches to, as part of an acting job? Like, so I, there's so many questions about that. But you get what I'm like, saying? I'll ask you. Let me ask you point blank. Do you, because some people do, do you think Bryce Young would be one of these guys like David Carr? Do you think if he gets beat around and, and plays badly, do you think it would mentally destroy him if they keep him in there for 17 games? I do not, but I'm okay. still not going down that path. So I, I, I no, think, but I'm saying if he plays all 17 games this year, do you think it's going to do mental damage to him if oh, it's like no, this all year? No, no, no. He, no. no, there are certain guys you can tell right away. Remember Jimmy Clausen, Mac? We saw like the first series he was in. It said, oh, man, this guy looks like he's never going to make it. You can tell pretty early when things aren't going well, how guys handle it. I don't, th- I don't think Bryce would. And that's Bryce what is some, not going to cave here. And that's what, man, I really didn't turn that phone. And that's what some fans think Bryce looks like. Like, uh, how many times? Go back and watch Jimmy Clausen. Remember the Giants game was his first game, remember? And they were backed up against the goal line on his first series. Well, play to start for old Jimbo. And he said, oh, my goodness. And it never – you can kind of tell right away with some of these quarterbacks where they're in over their head. I don't get that sense with Bryce Young. Like, uh, like we've gotten so many texts, and I agree with you. I thought Jimmy Jimmy Clausen to me was scared. Yep. And it's weird because I watched him at Notre Dame because I hate watching Notre Dame all the time. And I watched him there, and he took a beating there, dude. He was tough. And I was shocked when he got to the NFL and he appeared timid, you know, when the rush was coming. Uh, but there, you've seen it. There are tons of texters that have said, deer in the headlights. We got a guy making a Little Giants reference that Bryce is like a li- the kids in Little Giants. The game's too big for him and stuff. And I just don't know if I see that. I see a guy whose receivers aren't open. Um, then, because the line has to keep blocking while Bryce looks and no one's coming open, then he needs to try to make a play. And I think his playmaking, Charles Davis said this, J2 O'Sullivan said this too. He is taking off and, fl- and getting flushed out and trying to playmake. And sometimes he pulls it off. Two-point two conversion kind of pl- pulled it off. Uh, but I think other times, I don't think he's ready for the speed of the game. Like that, Charles Davis is right. That guy, Bone, that came behind him and stripped him, he had no idea there would be anybody. Because like Charles said, in college, there would be nobody that close to him. Yeah. You know, so I think the speed of the game when he tries to play make, I think it's like, oh, crap, these bros are coming. You know, also, is it is Bryce Young's mom or dad, the psychologist is his, his mom, dad, his dad. Right. Yeah. He comes from a family that has That's a psychologist. good point. He also, if you look at his bio and read up on him, he's really into psychology himself. His favorite class at Bama was psychology. 
Like that's part of his upbringing, Mac, is psychology. Yeah. So if anyone can handle the ups and downs of anything going on in life, it's probably going to be a guy that has studied it and has a dad that's in it. Can I and, can I explain what my point was though? Because I think Mac. My, uh, maybe I didn't explain it well I enough. I think you're in the camp that believes if you bench him, you've mentally lost him. No, I, I, think, don't I, do, I don't think that's don't, a guarantee. But here's the thing. is Do we know anything that's guaranteed with Bryce right now? He's a rookie. We don't know. So my point... My point, geez, wow. Stop texting me. Is Bryce Text the phone. Text- 704-5709-610. Everybody send text on the air. Even Mrs. Mack, send your text on the air right now. That is Mack anyway. Mac talking to all the ankle specialists. In the show <laughs> now, all these doctors are getting back to me right but now. But what I was saying, I'm I'm just like, to me, why would you even risk that? I don't know. I, I From what I've seen before, I believe that Bryce would be able to handle it. But to me, what are you even risking you know, sending that message to your rookie quarterback for, yeah. for Andy. I mean, I Dalton, like, where is Andy taking you? Is Andy taking you to the Super Bowl? No. No. So that, why do that? That's another point, too. That's a good point. He can take just, you to that early uh, wild card window around, though. I just he was believe, there a lot. I just, <laughs> <laughs> and some fans, I think, would want to go there. I think some fans, like, if you, if Andy Dalton, if, if, if we told fans, Andy Dalton can get you to like eight and nine, and maybe you'll squeeze in. You got a 50% chance of squeezing in a wild card. I think some fans would want that. And I'm not like last year, Steve Wilkes got me fired up. I wanted to squeeze into the playoffs. But last year, we had we had a, a veteran quarterback that's a backup, right? But he ended up starting, Sam Darnold. He played pretty well and almost got us to the playoffs. But what do we have to show for it? You know what I mean? Like, not a lot. Like, what's, where's that getting you? To me, the most important thing for the Panthers right now is developing Bryce. And it's not about, like, I've completely yeah, – I, I, I don't really care about results th- this year. I mean, I, I, I do, but you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. I've completely reverted my mind to rebuild. Like, I hate it, and I understand I sat here like an idiot and screamed about 10 wins all offseason. So I know, like, I got egg on my face, got big old freaking omelet. You know, on my face, uh, which if I do, I'd like to just, I, I just do. start eating it off I my face. Enjoy, ah. I do enjoy omelets. I'm not <laughs> going to eat it off but, your face, though. Like, are you like that, too, where it's like, oh, we might have a 50% chance getting playoffs with Andy Dalton, but, like, I'm worried about two years down the road, right? I'm worried about next year. Like, let's set this up so we can be the best team in the NFC South every year starting next year, the year after, because we've developed Bryce, right? Here's what we need to to, to piggyback what you're saying. We all need to... Breathe like we're doing uh, yoga or uh, Lamas, whatever, whatever breathing exercise you want to do. Breathe and remember it's not about the immediate. It's not about Atlanta week one. It's not about Monday Night Football. It's not even really about Seattle and Minnesota. You do what you're saying. It's about long term. So these people that are freaking out and they, they Bryce Young is a bust and it's this and it's that you can be disappointed in the immediate. But it doesn't mean you should lose vision of the long term. And I think a lot of people are losing sight that, yeah, you want to win games now. But these two losses that we just had and maybe more coming up, we'll see. In the in comparison to what we're going to see, hopefully, we'll forget about these games over time. These games won't matter over time to where we think this franchise is going. Yeah, yeah. It, that, hurts. That's, it hurts now, but we're going to take lumps. Yeah. And then we won't, re- a- we won't remember Atlanta week one years from now that's what i'm trying to say like when we kept going after veteran quarterbacks and it didn't work right now we're doing it i think the right way but the right way comes with lumps like again just because you heard a couple of goobers on the radio telling you they were going to win 10 games all summer 
like you got to realize those those two goobers are wrong and we all got to move <laughs> move on and there was one giant goober that said 12 wins on your radio and he was very very wrong and i just think we have to get back to the mindset of rookie quarterback we're going it's also the cast around him too like i said all summer if they have an average offense to go with what i think is going to be a really good defense they could win the division the problem is bone this offense is so far from average right here and bryce is a part of it but man, it, it, that supporting cast is thoroughly disappointing. Really, is. we need to have a uh, we need to have a um, a liner that runs all show and probably voice for the rest of the day. Can people, for the love of God, stop suggesting Drake May, Caleb Williams, and Marvin Harrison Jr.? We got two people this segment that said tank for Marvin Harrison Jr., the wideout from Ohio State. Oh, my God. We don't have a first-round pick. <laughs> How many times, Flounder, do we have to say we don't have a first-round pick? And this is not the NBA. Trying to go get one will be difficult. Like, we don't have the ability. Unless oh, my Marvin God. Ha I thought I turned that down. Uh, unless Marvin Harrison Jr. What the? I'm going to keep talking over Max Elfell. <laughs> unless Marvin Harrison Jr. drops the second round. Are you good over there? It was Willie P. texting, by the way. Willie P. Stop texting. Tag. Oh, my God. Willie P., one really big goober, huh, Mac? He's very offended by that. Willie, you've been called worse. Willie, uh, you've been, been called Willie, worse. Willie, you got called lugubrious a couple days ago. <laughs> uh, Willie, y'all were on it last night, though, man. Seriously? I'm telling you, that was the broadcast of the season. Unfortunately, it was a very similar result to most games this season. Willie, has, Willie has his nine. draws in a bunch this morning. He does. He does. Is it soccer, his draws. soccer references. <laughs> We've got a bunch of draws, all right. Very fitting. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Panthers OC Thomas Brown did say Bryce Young got hurt at some point in the first half. We talked about it. Oh, in the first half is what they said. So a little okay. bit more specific there as far as time frame. First half, played through it. Coaches learned of the injury after the game. Brown said he okay, never questioned Young's toughness, mental or physical. When asked if he would be comfortable starting a rookie QB who had not taken reps all week, Thomas Brown gave us a banger and he said, yeah, that rookie. It's a good, it's a good answer. <laughs> I like that. I, maybe I'm making too much of it, but allow me to do so, please. Hey, enjoy it, man. That rookie, yes. Even if he had been playing well the first two games, the entire offense hasn't. And so there's the man, right? Thomas Brown. Wes, a lot of people want him to call plays for this Carolina Panthers team. After it did not go well offensively the first two weeks, you and I both agree that I don't know how much 
things would be different if Thomas Brown was calling plays for this squad. But you've questioned why Thomas Brown isn't the play caller going into the season. I know you don't think it's time to change right now, but do you think we end up seeing Thomas Brown maybe this season or next season calling plays? And it does seem like Frank Reich has played with that idea. Hey, at some point, I'll hand over the reins. But right now, going into week three, I'm still going to be the guy as the play caller. Yeah, I think when you look back at this situation, you wonder what was talked about. Was this something that they had a handshake agreement on when he signed the deal? Because we talked about during the offseason with the whole Steve Wilkes thing and the plight of the African-American coach and the numbers and how small they are, especially at some of the key positions. And kudos for him bringing Thomas Brown in. But when you look at some of his uh, comments and from Sports Illustrated, when Coach Reich was talking about this and he was talking about he loves the way they call plays and how collaborative it is. And he's saying, you know, it's think it, he thinks it's best for now that he's calling the plays and how confident he is. And so he's like, Thomas is a great coach. One day I want him to call it. When that will be, I don't know. And so I'm just like, why is he here then? Like, why does he have the title of offensive coordinator? It's like, if you want to bring him in, then let him call the plays and you guys can collaborate and go through the plays that you like and what you don't and then let him be the play caller. But my thing is just for African-American coaches, it always seems like there's some type of caveat and, uh, you know, he's got to wait and see like the Josh McDaniels and the, the young uh white offensive coordinators that are looked at as boy geniuses don't have to wait. They don't have to be collaborative. They don't have to sit behind a head coach until he feels like it's okay for them to start calling the plays. And so that's my thing. I feel like is this a, a situation where obviously he's in the NFL calling plays, but it seems like sometimes that African-American coaches, they have to settle for what they can get. And I'm just wondering, you know, is he wasting his time to an extent because he's like, you know, one day I'll let him call it. Like, come on, man. Like, he's a grown man. He's been coaching with Sean McVay, the, the genius of the league. And so I'm like, and I don't think that he should give up the play calling. But if that's the case, I'm just like, Frank Reich should be the head coach in OC. Because I just don't like the fact that Thomas Brown has to sit around and wait until it's his time when Frank Reich decides that he can call the plays. And so it's just a question that I brought up because just off of those comments, you know, it's like one day he'll be able to call plays. Like, come on, man. Like, I, I just feel like Thomas Brown could have been better served elsewhere where he could be the sole offensive coordinator. Uh, but uh, did anybody hire him? I guess is my question. It seems like you have a real problem with the title of OC. You, yeah, I you don't brought like up that. the Well, I, I just think when we talk about offensive coordinator, that's going to mean different things. And I understand that we think of offensive coordinator, play caller, and those two things are always 100% true. But it's not, especially with offensive-minded coaches that go into the league. And we've seen this quite a bit. When you have play callers that are also the head coach, you still have an offensive coordinator, a part of your staff. I mean, that that's happened. I mean, hell, it happens all the time, right? And when you want a head coach, especially when you hire a guy because of their offensive acumen, you're hiring them because of the success that they might have had as a play caller in the past. And you don't want them to hand over play calling duties at that point. And so if Thomas Brown comes in at 37 years old, and is the OC who is collaborating on this and then is continuing to learn before he's the OC, that makes sense. For me, I'm totally with you that it's pretty easy to see that it is harder for African-Americans to become an offensive-minded head coach. Defensively, it's there's a little bit more of an open door, but African-Americans don't get the benefit of the doubt. 
man, think about Thomas Brown being handed this opportunity two weeks afterwards, right? To me, now is not the time because especially if you want to pick the right moment, especially Wes, when we know about African-Americans also, not you got to capitalize on that opportunity, right? And if you don't with a rookie QB with a bad offensive line with wide receivers that don't we tr- that we don't trust, is now the time? I don't think that's doing Thomas Brown any favors. Yeah. Now, of course, Thomas Brown wants to take that on because who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want to take on that offensive coordinator job? Mm-hmm. You always think you're ready to take that step up. But is now the time for you to pull the trigger and say, okay, this is it. Thomas Brown, go in there. And then what are we going to do after three games that the offense doesn't score over 20 points on sure. average? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, that, that's why I don't think this is the time to deploy it. I think there are a lot more reasons to be questioning why Eric Bieniemy isn't getting a job. Mm-hmm. I know that there have been problems off the field. But also, that's never made sense to me because, okay, well, he's had problems off the field. We can give him an offensive coordinator job, but we can't give him a head coaching job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there are those moments, and I totally get that. At the same time, now, for me, is not the time to say, Thomas Brown, you're the play caller. Because if it goes badly after yeah. three games, uh-huh. then who else do you go to? Yeah, and I'm not saying that I think that he should hand over the reins to him. Just the comments alone of how it's collaborative, and then one day I'll let him call it. I'm like, to me, when he came in, when he signed on— he should have been the offensive coordinator. And then you collaborate with Wright, but Thomas Brown called the plays. And so Brian on the text line said Joe Brady is an example. He was young, barely out of doggone daycare. And then he comes in and he has an offense with, with, with Joe Burrow and all these NFL receivers. And all they're doing is finding matchups and exploiting it. And he's the greatest thing since Slice Britain. We saw how that went. He didn't have to wait. He didn't have to be collaborative and then wait his turn. And so the 704 number says, did someone force Brown to sign? I think he knew what he was signing up for. He wanted to coach Bryce. That's why he signed. No, you're missing my point here. I'm just saying that he may have been in a position where he said, I may not get an opportunity even remotely like this because we know how black coaches are treated in the league. And so he was probably like, man, I got to take this opportunity and see what comes of it instead of getting the red carpet rolled out for you like a guy like Joe Brady. That's all I'm saying. I just feel like I don't like how Thomas Brown is being done here. I wish that he would be somewhere where he's the offensive coordinator and able to call the plays on his own. No, and I hear you on that. I think for me, the way that I would put a bow on it is there is no doubt that Joe Brady, despite me being excited for him as well, Joe Brady got the benefit of the doubt and also was coming wrapped in privilege, no doubt about that. With Thomas Brown, I don't think right now is the time, especially when he wasn't coming from a play-calling experience anyway, but we do see OCs who aren't even the play-callers get head coaching jobs because of their offensive acumen and how much they impress during interviews. Mike McDaniel is the answer to go with there. Shane Steichen also. Mike McDaniel, an African-American coach down there with Miami. So I do think that is something where Thomas Brown hopefully will have that opportunity. You're right to be skeptical, though, because we've seen the door slam in faces like that a time and time again, and hopefully that doesn't happen for Thomas Brown. last thing, all the guys that don't want to hear want to change the station, change the station. All right, (laughs) 704-570-9610. You can tell us how you're not listening on 704-570-9610. We'll also go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline and welcome Seattle Seahawks play-by-play announcer Steve Rabel to the program. Steve, we appreciate the time. How are you? I'm great. Hey, don't change the channel yet, folks. Wait till I'm done. Then you can turn. <laughs> Look, we got Steve Rabel on. Y'all, yo, come back. Come back. Steve's yeah. going to be talking about this game. I uh, can't wait for it because I want to see, hopefully, Bryce Young plays. We're dealing with this over here in Charlotte, Steve, where now Bryce Young has the injury. <laughs> now there's conflicting reports about it might be a knee injury. I don't know. 
I would love to see Bryce Young suit up. We do know that you have a very different situation at quarterback. Here we are trying to launch the career of Bryce Young. Seattle seemed to resurrect one in Geno Smith last year, and then in the second week, he was balling again. How crazy has it been for you, Steve, to see the development of Geno Smith after Russell Wilson? After you trade for Drew Locke, now here's Geno Smith balling for uh, last year, and then even in the second week, we see it again. Yeah, you know, being around it, virtually every day, at least during the season. It really wasn't that big a surprise, to be honest with you, because Gino is just Gino. I mean, he's been the same way since the day he walked in and uh, and said, okay, I'm fine with being a backup to Russell, but I'm going to work hard like I'm going to be the starter and I'm going to be prepared every week as if I was going to start. And we all know, we've been around football long enough to know that your really good backup guys are that kind of person. They're, they're the kinds of people who are going to support the team, are going to do what you need him to do, are going to help the starter in any way they can. When he got his chance, he was absolutely and totally prepared. And he surprised maybe some people on the outside. He certainly doesn't surprise um, Pete Carroll and the coaching staff because they, they watched how Gino got ready every single time. And remember, too, we had a, a few games here a couple of seasons back when Russell had the finger surgery and missed three games, and, and Gino came in and had a, a couple of little issues and then also played really well at times. So you could see that he still had the gun. He still had the arm to make it happen. And now he's so fully invested in this offense and the guys around him. Uh, he just he expects to be successful every time he goes on the field. Steve, what happened so poorly against the Rams that changed itself so much to the point where you actually got a win on the road against Detroit, a team that previously got a win against Kansas City? It, it, it's so hard to understand, but um, again, you guys have been around this game long enough to know that that uh, on any given Sunday, and on any given Sunday, not only can somebody beat you, but you can really play lousy for whatever reason. And I think I don't think we took the Rams lightly, although everybody was saying, yeah, you know, the Rams are going to be in a rebuilding mode down at the bottom of the division, and it's us in San Francisco, and. The Rams came in here with a couple of things. They came in with Matthew Stafford, who we did not face at all last year when we beat him twice. He was injured. And so he came back and threw the ball just as he has his entire career. And he just kind of carved us up. Um, We did some things poorly on defense that we needed to fix, and I think we fixed them to some extent against the Lions, and that is getting some pressure, getting a little stickier uh, in coverage. Uh, We still aren't running the ball well. We need to do that better. But you see, Gino is is throwing the ball, and our guys outside are making big plays for him. So, you know, it was one of those things. The guys were, I think, prepared, but there was a lot of young guys. There are a lot of young guys on this team, and they I don't think they responded very well when we started to get behind in the second half against L.A. Steve, when you look at this Seattle offensive line, they've allowed only three sacks on the season. That's tied for eighth in all of the NFL. And you look at Carolina, they're currently tied for third in the league in sacks. How confident is this Seattle team that their offensive line can negate this Carolina pass rush? It's going to be difficult. It's the very first thing Pete did his Wednesday press conference yesterday. It literally was the first thing that he talked about, about how sturdy, how tough you guys are up front on both sides of the football. And he talked about the pass rush ability of this defensive front uh, for the Panthers. And and it is going to be a test for us up front. I, I have been somewhat pleasantly surprised, certainly against the Lions, because we played two backup tackles. Both our guys got hurt in the second half, our starters, 
against the Rams. So we played backup tackles. We kind of helped them a little bit. You know, you have a tight end here. You have a running back chip there. Gino gets the ball out of his hand quickly, um, and that helped those tackles. But they really did a, a really superb job against a, another good defensive front. Aiden Hutchinson, you know, is, is one of the top young pass rushers in the game right now. But it's going to be a hell of a test this weekend. I have no doubt about it. Those two tackles are going to start again, and we'll just have to depend on what we do, and that is, First of all, again, we've got to get back to running the football better, uh, and then that opens up things for Geno in the passing game. That leads me to my next question. You look at Carolina, they are giving up 4.5 yards per carry on the season, and Kenneth Walker is a guy that a lot of people look at it as one of the next big stars in the league at that position, only 107 yards so far this season. Is this the game that Seattle fans and the coaches feel like that he could uncork and go for one of those big games he's capable of? I sure hope so. Uh, he is he is so exciting. The, the couple of things that he did against uh, against the Lions that I know the coaching staff has talked to him about, but there are times when he so believes in his own ability to get out of trouble that you know you'll start running downhill to the right side. There's nothing much there, so he'll try to turn it around and come back all the way to the far side of the field. Sometimes that works, and he is so swift and so quick and explosive that sometimes that works. But then sometimes you get trapped behind the line of scrimmage, you're going to lose five or six yards. That makes it tough on the play caller to come up with a third down and 13 or whatever uh, you're looking to, to convert. But he is so talented, and with his speed, his agility, uh, he ran for over 1,000 yards last year. He wasn't even supposed to be the starter. In fact, in, at the start of training camp, he was the number three running back. But because of injury, he ended up starting and and playing last year, uh, nine touchdowns. So I think that this might be one of those games. And I think, too, uh, it's it's the kind of game that Pete wants to play. He wants to give Ken Walker and Zach Charbonnet, our rookie out of UCLA, chances to run the football because it keeps us on schedule. It keeps us in line with the chains. And that's what he wants to do. And then throw when you want to throw, not when the defense demands it. All right, Steve, last thing before we get you out of here. You brought up a couple of injuries. I'm looking at the injury report. It's pretty lengthy for Seattle. Yeah. We're dealing with some injuries on our side as well. What's an injury that you're most worried about replacing or dealing with, whether it be a guy that could be out there but not 100% effective or just be out entirely? Wow, that's a good question. Um, well, Jaron Reed is on our uh, injury report, but he's also tougher than Boyle Al. So I think he's probably <laughs> going to play. Uh, at least I expect him to. Um, our tight end is also on the list, Will Disley. He has been so good. He is he is an underrated receiver. He is a terrific blocker. Uh, in fact, we went out and signed a, a tight end off the Philadelphia practice squad just to sort of fill out the roster a little bit if Will can't play. Uh, that gives me an indication that he might not be available this week. That one makes me a little nervous. And then again, you know, our two tackles, Charles Cross might be ready to play this week. Abe Lucas is on IR now, so he's out for another three games. So those are guys that I'm, I'm kind of concerned about. But, you know, hey, injuries are a part of this. I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I want to see Andy Dalton start at quarterback for you guys because all he's done is be successful against us. 
over his long career. So <laughs> we'll wait and see, I guess, who's going to start a quarterback for you on Sunday. All right, we'll see if Andy is the magic potion to help this Carolina Panthers offense. We'll see if Bryce Young is able to get back on track, be healthy enough to start against Seattle. That is the voice of Steve Rabel, Seahawks play-by-play announcer on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Steve, we appreciate it, and we appreciate you allowing these listeners to stay aboard with us. Guys, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. Uh, I just got a text on the text line. Uh, shout out to the staff two days ago. I was told that we shattered the all-time WFNZ text line for most texts in a day from uh, Charlotte and Carolina sports listeners, like shattered it thousands and thousands of texts on Tuesday. Um, unfortunately, it was because Monday night football was a disaster, but you know, we appreciate y'all breaking the record. I got a text on the text line from Brent, the big bad booty daddy who says, KB, please tell Ross Chastain that I said hello, and he is my favorite driver. Now, I get texts like that sometimes, and I can't always pass them along, but I kind of figured that Ross Chastain, driver of the number one Chevy Camaro for Trackhouse Racing, would like to know that Brent the Big Bad Booty Daddy says hello. Let's bring in Ross Chastain on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Uh, Ross, you heard it there. The Big Bad Booty Daddy says hello. You're his favorite driver. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Brent. <laughs> That's... Um... That's quite the uh, that's quite the name. I thought you'd like that. Yeah, that's. I mean, it is a heck of a name. So you got a lot of fans out there. They're all going to be rooting for you this week down in Texas. Um, how you feeling the, right now going into Texas this weekend? Pretty big race. It is, man. We're in the we're in the heart of our playoff. You know, we kicked off mid, early middle February, and uh, we've not really stopped since. Um, you know, just uh, a long, grueling season to get twenty six events, twenty six points races into reset our field and then we start chopping four out at a time and uh, we made the first round um and we'll see uh we'll see where these next three races take us yeah no it's an exciting time you've made six career starts there um i think you finished 13th last season's race uh, your, your career best finish there talk to me about texas and you know how you feel on that track how you mentally and visually prepare for this race just talk about texas motor speedway and the challenges it presents yeah kyle it's, it's tough um, it's been repaved recently and they, they changed the banking. They changed the whole end of the racetrack down in turns one and two, really flat, really wide. Uh, but, but you're really not able to, to move around a whole lot. So they, they went and sprayed, um, uh, some traction compound and, and, uh, and now they've stopped spraying it. So we've got this kind of ever evolving track, which is really, really awesome as a driver. You, that's what you ask for. You just 
want to be able to move around and, um, and have a very dynamic racetrack that's not one lane that doesn't reward just the fastest car. You want it to no cars to handle good, honestly. That way it gives the driver a chance to really make up for it. So Texas definitely has that. It is, uh, you get through turns one and two, you get down the back stretch, big Haas TV, a huge TV screen, uh, similar, similar to the one we have here at Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord. And uh, you drive off into turn three and you've got all the grip you could ever dream of. It, it's just like a, really sometimes um, way too much grip with the amount of banking and angle of the, of the pavement, the asphalt. And uh, so we, we, uh, we build up a bunch of speed down on that end and we go down the front stretch and then we slow way down in turns one and two. Sometimes we'll downshift. The cup cars now have five gears um, all in a sequential uh, gearbox. So we can downshift to fourth and then back up to fifth on the straightaway. So it's, uh, it's dynamic. It is challenging. Obviously, best finish to 13th and not what we've been looking for, but uh, we'll give it another shot this weekend. Ross, this is smoke here. And this round, the round of 12, feels like an ultimate wild card round. Texas, at, at this, despite all the challenges that you mentioned, feels like the most tame of these tracks here the next three weeks with Texas, Talladega, and the Charlotte Roval. I mean, how chaotic is this round? And you're basically expecting everyone to have at least some trouble within these next three weeks that are in the playoffs. Yes, sir. Yeah, there's no doubt um, that there's going to be issues for most of us. And for us on the one team, it's just about minimizing that. Uh, We were able to get through Texas last year with air in the tires, which was a big deal. Uh, But we've seen Goodyear make big strides in that front, and teams have learned how to keep air in the tires as well, not blow them out. So uh, that's awesome. And then, you know, you, you move forward to Talladega, and there's just nothing to really say other than, you got to watch and I'll, you know, drive my number one car as fast and to the front and try to stay there. And if we crash, we crash. Honestly, in my opinion, if we spin out at 200 miles an hour and I'm going backwards to the grass, I'll be thinking if I can just get stopped, get spun around, get back to the pit, get new tires on it, fix a little bit of damage as long as it's not too bad. I'm still going to have a shot at Talladega. That's what's so awesome about it. um, Yeah. And then you lead into the Charlotte Roval, um, you know, just a a unique parking lot experience of of driving through the infield of Charlotte Motor Speedway. And uh, we'll uh, we'll see where we shake out. That's fantastic. Definitely wild card, though. That's fantastic. Ross Chastain with us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Uh, You're coming off Bristol. I I had to fit this in because NASCAR's done a tremendous job the last couple of years of, you know, exploring new territory, trying new things, expanding its horizons, and the Chicago Street Course, the Coliseum, even Bristol Dirt. And, you know, somebody who grew up an hour and a half from that track, I love Bristol. I was really excited for the experiment because I thought it was cool. But, you know, dirt will be no more. It's already over. Going back to two concrete races in 2024. I know you've been asked this before, but now that it's officially going back to concrete, um, what do you think of that experiment? Was NASCAR wrong to try it? Are you going to miss it at all? What do you think? Definitely not wrong to try it. That's what today's world and, and the sports landscape, we we have to evolve or, or we fail and die. So NASCAR and the France family have done an incredible job of, you know, continuing to, to learn and grow, right? They, they the, the Frances of years past and generations past did everything right when it comes to building this sport. But the group now and the family now, has their headwinds, right? At like every sports entity and like every business in this country. And I don't know much about the outside world other than 
America, but I would say headwinds everywhere, right? It's just the nature of our world that we live in. And I'm proud to be a driver in their series right now. I'm, I've watched it as a fan, and now to be in it and be in discussions with them about what we do next and, and how we continue to grow it and do things different. Let's not just do the same old thing, right? It, it was might have been cool 40 years ago, but it's, it's a new day, and we have more opportunity now than ever. So um, I'm, I'm proud to be a driver in the NASCAR Cup Series right now, and especially with the leadership group we have. It's, um, you know, there's just the, the what we showed at Chicago, racing through the streets, with temporary walls that we put up, you know, weeks ahead of time and some just hours ahead of time. Um, I was out jogging around the track the night before practice and there were cars driving down the road that I was going to be racing on the next morning. And um, at a certain point they shut the road down and I watched them bring in the, the concrete barriers that they, they built on site. And, um, you know, now we, we, NASCAR, we built those, so we we own those those barriers and all that fencing. So now we we can take it anywhere, any city. And um, you know, I'm excited about about the future and, and scheduling included. Love it. Well, I'll let you go on this. Uh, the Roval coming up in two weeks. You mentioned the Roval there a couple of minutes ago, but uh, two weeks from now, you've got again Texas this week, Talladega next week, then the Roval. Uh, what makes the Roval different from other road courses? Maybe you know what makes you look forward to it, or something that stands out about that course as opposed to the others. We've seen a lot of road courses this year. Yeah, it's definitely its own beast. You you, you go through the infield, which it was really an afterthought to have the Cup cars racing down there. It was never planned that way, but it's a it's a happy accident, and we're happy to be down there. And then you get up on the banking of the big track with a car that's designed and built set up wise set up to just go left and right on the flat surface down the infield. Now you put it up on the high banks where we run the world 600 for 600 miles in the, in May and you expect the race car to handle good. And I can just attest, I can tell you it does not. I attest to that. So, um, you, you, you hang on through the banking and you get down to the infield and you, you race and you get onto the banking again and you're racing, but you're all hanging on, uh, sliding around. So it's, it's a happy accident, and um, we'll go put our best foot forward. Ross Chastain, looking forward to it, man. Rooting for you. Appreciate the time. Good catching up. We'll do it again soon. All right. Thank you all. You've tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.